Welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast with your hosts, Leo Bathgate-Snethan and Darren Krause. Hey everybody, welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast. We are season one, episode lucky 13. I am your host, Leah Bathgate-Snethan, here with my co-host, Darren Krause. Hey Darren, I mean, Darren Crows. Yeah, Darren Crows. I did have a name change over the weekend. I have the bag tag to prove it. Uh, so, yes, from now on, I am Darren Crows. You can play my 10-year-old for that one. <laughs> uh, make sure you check out the website at golflifeab.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at golflifeab. So, Darren, how was the first major of the year from the, the player perspective this past weekend? From the player perspective, you couldn't beat it. I mean, the weather was amazing. I know, like, if you're anything like me and you do your weather forecasting two weeks out and you saw that it was going to be 10 degrees with a 70% chance of rain, you're like, oh, shit, we're back to, you know, a, a typical Canmore <laughs> early season tournament. But no, the weather turned out to be beautiful. There's a little bit of wind. And as far as me personally uh, playing... I I felt I did well. Um, there was stiff competition in the A flight and uh, came out tied for fourth with my two good pals, Tom and Brian. Ooh, there was some stiff competition in the A flight. I could not believe the scores that were coming in from those guys. In the A flight, uh, we had a guy, Taylor Slat. He was the winner. Taylor uh, actually just joined the tour last year, just played the Canmore Major as well last year. Him and his friend Tim Siegel came out uh, together last year. They also came to the scheduled release party in Calgary. You were in Edmonton, so you wouldn't mm -hmm. have seen them there. And they were super pumped about coming out, even though it was just kind of... Actually, Tim came to Jasper as well. But even though it was just kind of the one or two tournaments that they played, they still feel like they're a part of the AGT family. And I love mm -hmm. that. Taylor's round on Sunday was incredible. I know. It was amazing. Well, I don't and even... actually, for, for, for that matter, Tim also, I believe Tim shot a 79. So he played a good round as well. I was in his group. Yeah. Um, it was a good round. Yes. Yeah, 70. Yeah. I'm only seeing the net, the net scores in here. But I believe Taylor was two under at the turn, which oh is just, it, that's insane for, the, for an A flighter. And he is a true yeah. A flighter for sure. And even Tim, who I'm sure his best buddy would love to throw him under the bus. But he, mm -hmm. he said, no, no, I can confirm he has never shot around like this ever in his life. So well, pretty I, cool I to did do play that. with. I did play with Taylor last year, I believe, on day two of the Canmore tournament. And, I mean, yeah, he's a he's a good golfer. But, I mean, much like I shot the 69 last year out in Falcon Lake, you know, we all have those rounds every once in a while. And then the next day we can go out and shoot in 85 or 89 or 90 or something like that. So um, good on Taylor for, for shooting the low round and capturing the A flight. For sure. Uh, we also had some awesome rounds in the champ flight. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordy Kerrigan, who's a first time player, he came out on top in the champ flight there. I believe he was a couple under at the turn as well on Sunday. Oh, wow. In the B flight, like I mentioned in my post tournament announcements at Stewart Creek while we were still there, 
we this particular tournament i don't know if it's the timing or the location or what it is but it really attracts the most golfers but Mm -hmm. also a lot of the low handicap golfers Right. So on the AGT, we do this thing called dynamic flighting. I just found when I had very specific cutoffs that we wouldn't have very even flights. And then the prize pools were super different and it would kind of deter certain handicaps from even signing up because there was no prize pool for them to even bother right. playing for. Right. So with this sliding scale, the cutoff, it was pretty funny. <laughs> it it has never actually been this low. Champ flight was pretty typical. We're usually around the four to five range and it was mm-hmm. right at 4.9 i can't remember where a flight ended and b flight began but i can tell you where the c flight began was 9.6 we were not even into double digits and we were uh, in the c flight already <laughs> wow that is getting increasingly competitive i mean i know that i was surprised to see players like clem and cody uh in the b flight you know it was yeah it was uh i can imagine that must have been a challenge yeah it was it was a little bit weird so of course a lot of sandbagger comments thrown out this weekend as per usual anytime anyone shoots a good score it's usually high five and you're a sandbagger (laughs) but moving on to the b flight i guess i was prefacing that because My dear darling husband, who we talked about in the last podcast, having a really rough time when we were playing our practice rounds in Canmore and me and the kid beating him straight up without any strokes, his game must have turned around because he ended up winning the B flight. So that was exciting. And it was his first major. A flight next time, Cody. A flight next time. He he actually, we were talking about on the way home, he said he would rather not win anything in the A flight than be in the B flight again. He just... (laughs) It's it's an ego thing for him, I think, right? He doesn't doesn't want to be in the B flight, but he was pretty far into it, and so was Clem. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the C flight, uh, we had quite the scores in the C flight. It was pretty awesome. We had a first timer out day one. Like I said, though these these handicap cutoffs were low, so we had I believe he was a nine point eight or nine point seven. Um, came out and shoot, shot a seventy nine. Oh, wow. Which is not a typical sea flight score. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, out of nowhere, I mean, she announced this in, in as I was awarding her, so I feel comfortable announcing this on the podcast. Karen shot a 53 on the front nine on Saturday, on day one. She kind of recovered on the back nine. She said she had to she had to get a rum and coke in her, so that tends <laughs> to relax her a little bit. We always make fun of her. Yeah. Sunday, 78. And what did that 78 include, Darren? Well, that 78 included a fabulous hole-in-one on hole number 12. And, you know, the great thing is we were able to talk with Karen about that afterwards. We'll just tease it right now. We will uh, we'll broadcast that interview for you later and also show you the video over at uh, golflifeab.com of when she came into the clubhouse. It was pretty Nobody was time. excited to see her. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, all of us waiting for our after after round beverage sure were excited. And There's she no bought problem. it. Man, that was probably a really expensive bar tab. And of course, it's the one year that I don't get to have a drink, right? Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Karen you could have timed that better um and then in the d flight we had a playoff so that was also exciting we the playoff was between the current reigning d flight champion ayaz kara mm-hmm. and um actually the reigning champion from this tournament last year in the d flight charlene kelly 
Oh, really? Good for Charlene. Yeah. So uh, they went out. It it lasted one hole. Uh, they both were not on the green in regulation, but I guess Ayaz made a really nice chip, only had like three feet for his par. Char had a 10-footer for her par, but she missed it, and Ayaz won the playoff. Well, congratulations to all the winners. Uh, up next, we are in Red Deer Riverbend Golf Course this weekend. And then uh, on the Monday after that, we are at Red Tail Landing in Nisku by the Edmonton Airport. Uh, yeah, so uh, one other thing, actually, something that didn't happen at Canmore this weekend, Darren... You didn't throw your putter. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Told you come I was on. adding it in one more okay, time. Okay, okay, okay. Guys, out there, if you're listening, <laughs> Leah and I just BSed for about a minute here about what else we might need to talk about. And she <laughs> wants to stop and do this just to remind us of the putter throwing incident. Well, okay, I'll tell you what. I could have thrown my putter this weekend, but I didn't. I had one of those like eight inch putts and I was had to step on somebody's line. So I stepped over it and I missed the eight inch putt. I could have chucked my putter there, but I didn't. I just laughed at myself. Now I should note that that would have given me sole fourth place had I got it, but that's okay. I like being in the company with my, my pals, Tom and Brian. So no putter throws this weekend. Congratulations. I know I didn't have time to watch any professional golf this weekend. Did you have a chance to catch anything? Uh, no, I, I did catch some highlights, though. Uh, we had uh, Justin Rose. It was a Fort Worth Invitational this weekend as the PGA is on its Texas swing. Uh, so Justin Rose back in the winner circle. I know he's he's a steady performer in the top 10, always uh, always near the top. So good for him to score the big win. Um, I know we're coming up, uh, I guess the U.S. Open's about a month away now. But uh, also, it's good to see Brooks Kepka. He's uh, been struggling through some injuries. He was back near the top. He was, I think, tied for second or, or third. But the important thing here this weekend, Leah, is that Canadian Corey Connors may have slain his round four dragons. Uh, if you recall, he shot a couple of really high scores when he's been in contention, like I think 77 and 78 in his past two times he was in contention. He shot a 69 uh, this weekend in the final round to finish at T8. Uh, another Canadian, Ben Silverman. You know what? I'm sorry, Ben. I try to keep on top of the Canadians who are on the PGA, and this is a name that doesn't come up to the top of the leaderboard too often. Uh, he's from Thornhill, Ontario. He shot a career-best 65 in the wow. final round, and he awesome. jumped up 27 spots to finish T11, actually, right uh, right behind Corey Connors. So that was good for him. Right on. Congratulations to both of them. Who, yeah, was, and- uh, who was Neeler's pick for this one? Wasn't it Pat Perez? No, I believe it was Jimmy Walker, actually. No, was it that not? was the week before. No, that was the week before. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes, right. Pat Perez. Um, I don't even know where Perez finished, actually. I know. I'm just trying to find it here. All right. So maybe this week, uh, our good friend Ryan O'Neill didn't fare as well as he probably would have liked. Now, Pat Perez did shoot a final round 65, but it was only good enough for T42, so... I'm putting his average uh, round or his average guess now at probably about T 
T25. So that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Need, need we'll to improve s- a little bit there, Ryan. Yeah, we need a little bit more improvement, especially, I mean, if he's if he's going to position himself as an expert, I mean, he's got to be at least T10 average, I would say. Well, and it was Ryan's first AGT tournament this past weekend mm-hmm. as well. I'm curious about, uh, you know, he's a young guy, so so he may have, have went a little hard in between rounds. I had to text him, actually. Um <laughs> I was about to go on the microphone for our modified shotgun Sunday morning and realized I still have a scorecard in front of me and I haven't seen him yet. Oh, so no. luckily, literally just moments after I texted him, he, he showed up. So he made it and he played better on Sunday than he did on Saturday. But he's going to um, also include a little write-up uh, this week on top of his kneeler nose column on what his first AGT tournament was like. So... That'll be interesting to read, kind of a first-timer's perspective on that. So in the LPGA, Minji Lee captured the LPGA Volvic Championship this past weekend, and she did it with a one-shot win over In Kyung Kim. Now, the interesting thing about the LPGA coming up this weekend, they have the U.S. Women's Open, and right now they've got subtropical storm Alberto. That, or sorry, maybe I should say it like I like I have the accent. Alberto is Roll threatening the R, to, Darren. Roll the R. Alberto. Alberto. <laughs> threatening to delay the start of the U.S. Women's Open. So we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes on how that shakes out this week. That will be interesting for sure. Next up, we have chip shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. Well, Lee, it seems appropriate. We are recording on National Golf Day. I don't think either of us are playing today. Um, of course, Golf Canada earlier this year announced that May 29th would be the day where we celebrate this great game. I didn't get out to golf, as I mentioned, uh, but I was thinking about it. The upcoming weekend, of course, we are at Riverbend. So um, happy National Golf Day to all of you out there. I hope that if you weren't playing, you were at least dreaming about being on a golf course. Are we ever not dreaming about being on a golf course? Let's be realistic here. Yeah, you know what? Good point. Good point. <laughs> so, and also we have Tyler. He was at the Maple Leaf Mini Tour and the U.S. Kids Golf Qualifier. How did he do? And what did he learn? He lost in his age category by one shot. Oh, one no. shot. Um, he still played well. It was a par 56, I believe, and he shot a 66. It's a little par 3 track with one par 4, and they played it twice. So mm-hmm. I think that works out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was only 10 over. Not bad at all. And there was he told me there was a couple 197-yard par threes and stuff and oh really it wasn't short for them so Mm -hmm. the fact that he was 10 over is amazing what did he learn well that he's not gonna win every time (laughs) (laughs) Um, he actually handled himself extremely well he gets so frustrated i'm not sure if we've talked about this on the show or not the kid has a natural draw Mm -hmm. and there's so many of us that would kill for a shot like that because you know like you were saying earlier yeah you have worked for it for so long to try to get a little draw and that Mm -hmm. that comes naturally to him but he hates it and all he wants to do is hit a fade and (laughs) we try to tell him so much like you know what kid like just go with what your natural swing does so 
Anyway, all season long so far, all he's been doing is trying to hit this fade. And obviously he's more focused, more in the zone and just going through his routines while he's playing this tournament. And he's like, mom, my draw came back. Piss me off. <laughs> like The draw came back. <laughs> Kid, just play with the draw. Like It's this beautiful yeah. little five-yard draw. Like It couldn't be more perfect. But no, he, he took it very well. And he, he is shortlisted. We got the, the email and... I mean, I don't think the kid ahead of him is not going to go because they came all the way from Vancouver to play in this. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a couple more qualifiers for some different kids events out there that he's got his Mm -hmm. eye on. Uh, One is actually at Riverbend in two weeks. So he wants to come play this weekend, play that as a tournament practice round, and then go back the week after uh, and hopefully qualify there. Well, that is awesome. Uh, Tyler, if you are going to listen to this podcast, I'm not sure if your mom will let you because there is some swearing in this one. But I am his um, congratulations, mom. He hears it all the time. You know, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> you you did the AGT proud with uh, with that that finish. So good on you. Also worth celebrating now, we have a little bit of a interview with Karen Cost. As Leah mentioned earlier, Karen Cost did get a hole-in-one. It was on hole 12 out at Stewart Creek in Canmore. I had the opportunity to talk with Karen right after she came in and went over her scorecard. I said, Karen, let's talk about it, and here's what she had to say. All right, I am here with Karen Cost. Karen, you just got a hole-in-one at the Stewart Creek Major on hole number 12. And this is your first hole-in-one, correct me if I'm wrong. So how do you feel? Awesome. Yeah? I hit that ball. It was pure. Yeah. And if it didn't bounce once, it just absolutely disappeared real quick. Right. And so tell us, right through from beginning to end, what club did you hit? Um, I used a six iron. Right. And uh, it was playing about 156. Right. And I bounced, a, it just, I nailed it, and I just, uh, it bounced about m- maybe two yards in front of the green. Right. And then it just rolled from there and disappeared. Right. So, I mean, obviously this and puts I you... Did, and I didn't even see, well, I saw it, but I wondered where it went, and then Sean yelled. And oh, he said, really? He said, it's gone, it's in. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. I mean, what was the reception on the tee? I mean, obviously everybody... Oh, hugs, hugs, yeah, man, hugs, hugs all around. around. I, I had to get out of the cart. I hardly even I hardly even stopped the cart, and I jumped out of the cart to go see if it was in the hole, and sure it was, it was in the nice, hole. Nice, yeah. nice. So, so describe that feeling when you see that ball in the hole, first hole in one. I think I've just um, I've become part of a group yeah, yeah. With, with the tour yeah because now there's there's brian there's sandra, sandra and myself i don't know is there anybody else i you know what i don't know but i mean yeah. it's 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 becoming a habit now for people how to many, get how many years have i been golfing and this is my first one i it's, know it's awesome that's amazing well thanks very much karen hey appreciate it and congratulations thanks oh man leave it to karen to know every single little detail about that shot she's going to remember it forever and you know what? I always have to flash back to the very first hole-in-one that the AGT ever had. This was a few years ago at Championship. Brian Payne, Radium Springs, 17th hole. I don't think holes get more beautiful than that one. It overlooks the, the Columbia Valley, and oh, it's just amazing. But right. as they come... Well, first of all, Karen's group, Karen's group was behind them. 
And so I don't know if, if anyone's ever been out to Radium Springs, the 18th tee is kind of just beside the 17th green there, also overlooking the valley. Karen, once their group got to the green, came running over, and I swear she lifted Brian up right off his feet. So I told Brian, you better do that to her. Like, she did that to you. You better be that excited. And sure enough, when she came in, I don't know if you got that on your video or not. but Oh, I do have the video, which awesome. you will be able to see at golflifeab.com. You can see the run up and jump. <laughs> she does hold on to Brian. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good. But then when they all came in 18, Sandra, actually, we were waiting for the D flight to come in. And Sandra yells out to Teresa, Brian got a hole on one. <laughs> and we're all like, what? <laughs> Brian got a hole on one. Um, nice. It's called a hole in one, but thanks. <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when, when, Karen did come in. Brian made sure to let us know that he did get the first one in AGT history. So, Brian, we we will never forget it. Congratulations, and Karen! It was your first. It so was. It's nice to see. For for those of us who have played thirty years and still don't have a hole in one, we know it's out there somewhere. It's out there somewhere. And then the the only other hole-in-one besides those two on the tour came last year in Athabasca. And I actually right. was playing in the group. I was playing in the group. That and it was Sandra. Yeah, it was awesome. So what's it like to see a hole-in-one happen? I've never seen it. I've never been like experienced it. What's it like? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, you're going you're gonna to hate me for this. I don't know if you know this. I have a hole-in-one. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're right. 2010, I, yeah. I, yeah, in 2010, it was one of my first rounds of the year at Tor Hill in Regina, and mm. honestly, I was walking that round, and everyone knows mm. how much I hate slow golf. Even back then, I hated slow golf. Mm-hmm. I chunked it a little bit. I thought it was just going to die in the front fringe. It was a front pin. Turned around, put my club back in my bag, and everyone else was like, oh my god, it's in! I turned my back on the shot. Like it was an elevated tee box and everything. I would have been able to see the whole thing. So I, besides Sandra, I've actually never seen the ball go into the hole before. (laughs) But to watch one, even with her, she was so frustrated with the shot that it actually hit a side hill and kicked down the hill towards the hole and just rolled in perfectly. And she, it was funny because I don't think she was very happy with the shot that she hit. Then it went in. Then I started jumping and spilling my twisted tea everywhere and on every one. And I was running up to the hole behind us. And yeah, I, I kind of, I don't remember a ton of it, but so, it's very So exciting. what you're telling me is, is that it's pretty exciting. Very exciting. That was Chip Shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. So, Leah, for this next segment, you really scored a killer interview this week. Actually, it was last week. Um, You had texted me and said, hey, if you could tag along, we can go to Mickelson National. For those of you who don't know, Mickelson National is the new course that is, uh, I mean, obviously, after his name, the, the namesake, Phil Mickelson, he's been out here a couple of times to promo, and you got the chance to talk with the Windmill Group and take a little tour of what's going on out there. I did. It was very exciting. 
So I've got some pictures that I was planning on posting alongside an article that I have not yet written. So Mm -hmm. I will wait to post all of the pictures once I actually get around to writing that article. Uh, I am not an accomplished journalist like some other people here, so it might take me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so it was awesome. I got there and we had Mark and David, so Mark Corgan and David Forma. Drove me around, uh, drove me around to the golf course, and then uh, we took a four-seater around the track, and uh, the mosquitoes were terrible that day, so <laughs> that part was not the greatest. Hopefully that's not all you remember. No, no. I do remember the mosquitoes, though, let me tell you. And I remember Mark <laughs> splashing all of us with the cart because he didn't slow down to drive through a puddle, so thanks, Mark, for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, But I had a chance to talk to Mark a little bit about memberships and kind of where that stands and to David a little bit more about some general windmill group stuff. And here's what they had to say. All right. We have a couple of fellows from the windmill group. We have the membership account executive from Mickelson National Golf Course, Mr. Mark Corrigan. And the Windmill VP of Business Development, David Forma. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Leah. Thanks, Leah. Nice to be here. All right, Mark, let's start with uh, some questions about Mickelson National. I'm sure everybody in Alberta is very curious about this golf course. Uh, You just took me on a tour, but I didn't live feed it, so nobody knows what I just saw. So (laughs) I'll ask some questions about the information you told me, and you can kind of let everybody know. Uh, I guess to start, can you tell us a little bit about how progress is going on the build? It's great. We're back at it. Uh, it's been three years in the making, this place, and this is our last year of uh, construction and seeding. We have eight holes seeded, um, growing grass, and uh, we add holes every week. We'll have everything completed by uh, August 1st with seeding, and um, we'll watch grass grow. It's it's exciting process for sure. Excellent. Yeah, we we saw a lot of grass and a lot of dirt still on the ground, and they were hydro seeding today, which was exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about the memberships, if there's a limited uh, number available, how many are gone, how many are still available? Absolutely. We started selling in the end of 2015, so we thought we would be open by 2018, and it's such a massive project that uh, it's probably taken a little bit longer than we had hoped. The elevation changes are so so big. It was a flat piece of property. I'm, I'm diverting a little bit yeah, here no, from the membership, great. but you know, we, we lost a little bit of time with the elevation changes, but we have 400 memberships for sale. Uh, we're halfway there, just around 190 uh, memberships sold. So we're well on our way, and and the big part of who who Mickelson is is uh, we'll have a big social membership because we're really tied in with Harmony. Harmony is a new development out in uh, Springbank. Uh, eventually, 3,500 homes, 4,000 homes, and every resident will have a social membership to Mickelson. So um, our food and beverage program will be extensive and uh, sophisticated. Um, it'll be it'll be need to be better than your average golf course food. Um, because our, our uh, target market is a lot bigger than just your four or 500 members. So um, we have a different form of membership. We have our uh, Mickelson members. We have Hamptons members have access to Mickelson. And then we have a large social membership. So, uh, you know, we're a private club, but 
we're a hybrid of sorts. I would think we're new age membership, private membership is how I describe it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good term. Uh, you mentioned when you were diverting a little bit about the elevation changes. Can you tell everyone a little bit about the amount of dirt that has been pushed here and give them a bit of an idea of what they can expect? Yeah, you know, I came out when I came out in 2015. I was so excited to see this land, right? You know, everyone's got a great piece of land, and all Arctics always say, "Oh, I had a great piece of land," and and I got out here and it was flat. Like I'm like, what have I got myself into? Is was my first thoughts. And then they kind of gave me an idea of on topography maps of the changes in elevations. And it literally was, it was maybe three feet of elevation change originally. And now we have upwards of 70 feet of elevation changes on the property. And um, I would call it adventure golf is how I look at it. Because um, once you get into your hole, you're by yourself and every green to tee is up. So you never really see the next hole until, until you're on that tee box. So and then you dive back down. Um, I describe it to people as as the uh, the stairs, the the square stairs that you keep going round and round. And <laughs> because Mickelson is all downhill tee shots, we have three uphill tee shots and 15 downhill tee shots. Um, so it's a long way up to tees, but you get great vistas, and then you get back down into your own hole again. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to play. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the design features. I know we saw a lot of bunkers out there today that looked very intimidating. Uh, a lot of kind of amphitheater-like greens. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the design features. I guess uh, it was first premise was, uh, you know, fun and, and um uh, playability was a big factor, but they also thought about how many people can we get on the property in, in stadium golf. You know, there's some link style to it with bunkering and deep bunkers, but it's also containment golf. It's it's would I think it'll be hard to lose a golf ball other than in water, but um, it's really it's really separated by mounding where people can get up on mounds and watch three, four, five holes at once, and and it was designed in mind to hold events. I think. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of people on the site that have been at PGA Tour events and, and are part of that. And um, it could be, and, and I'm throwing this out there, it could be possibly the greatest spectator golf course in the world from a viewing standpoint. And from a playability standpoint, I think it's great because the ball's not going to run into trouble. It'll The ball will stop. And, um, you know, I, I love this place because it will be playable. It doesn't make it easy. It'll be, <laughs> I think, I think you'll always find your ball, but I, like I said earlier today, I think it'll, this place will be death by a thousand cuts. You know, it'll bogey golf bogeys will be kind of what you make, but you could make 10 or 11 of them. I don't think, you know, doubles and triples are possible, but unlikely. Right. Yeah, I know. I was looking at a few of the holes and all that ran through my head was, damn you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if your sand game is poor, start practicing or don't play Mickelson, one or the other. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about with in respect to Mickelson and kind of let everybody in Alberta know? Yeah, no, I think it's, um, I kind of look at, although originally Mickelson wasn't what Foothill's uh, what I dream of what Foothills golf would be up against the Rockies, you know, it was originally prairie land or, or plains, but um, it really reminds me of Foothills golf now with all the mounding and um, uh, 
I love the playability of that place and the views are spectacular. So, uh, but I think it'll be a really fun golf course. It's, it's bogey holes or birdie holes. There's not like 18 hard holes. I think that's the beauty of it. You know, you look at some courses it's like I'm waiting for the easy holes to come and they never get there. But this place is, is designed where you can make birdies and then you're trying to survive, which I think in today's world is, is a lot of fun. It's going to be a really fun golf course. Yeah, for sure. And the hopeful projected opening is next season, hopefully. We will have something open in 2019, and it could be a sneak peek for our, um, you know, our founding members and our members. And whether we get 18 open next year, we'll see how the growing goes. We'll have nine open at some point. And if everything goes really great, maybe we'll have 18 open at some point in the summer. But full season 2020. Right on. I bet you a lot of the members are going to be very excited about that. You know, we go to these private clubs and and uh, often private clubs are filled with older members. And um, Mickelson, average age, I'm shared a membership and I'm a little bit older and I'm 45. Average age of Mickelson is 37 years. You know, it's crazy young, young families. And it's going to, it's what's exciting. We're creating our own culture which you join a private club that's existed and it's a clicky group, right? And where yeah. do you find your place? And if you're 37 as a member that your average age as a private club is 65, where do you fit in that group? So we definitely have a different spin on it and, and it'll be a very vibrant club, which is exciting for, for myself being one of the older guys. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, Mark. No, no. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for the info on Mickelson. I'll make sure to post some of the thousands of pictures that I took today while we were out there. David, would you mind telling us a little bit about uh, kind of what what Windmill is doing in conjunction with Mickelson and the Hamptons and all the other golf courses you guys are involved with? Yeah, great. So, uh, yeah, it's a really exciting time for the brand. Um, we're, it's, you know, a crowded marketplace and a competitive marketplace in the golf space for sure. And I think we're really, we're obviously excited about where Mickelson's going, the development, um, what it's going to offer to our new membership, but it does great things for the overall brand as a whole. Um, our Hamptons uh, property are, are sort of classified as a premier property equivalent to what Mickelson will be. So our membership package now is uh, quite unique where it's going to offer members now that join at the Hamptons access to Mickelson National as well. And with the multiple properties that Windmill offers as a whole, as a business, um, I think it makes it a real attractive offering to people that are looking to sort of join a golf club. We've got uh, three hybrid type properties that are um, both private and public that the public can play, uh, Springbank Links, uh, Silver Wing, and Boulder Creek. We've got a destination property, the Wilderness Club down in, in uh, Montana, which is a great place for big golfers that want to do guys weekends or to take the family down and do water slides but get a little golf in as well. And obviously with Mickelson coming, it uh, brings a tremendous amount of great exposure for the windmill brand. So it's an exciting time for us to uh, sort of be out there in the marketplace with uh, such a variety of offering to, to the golfer out there today. Is That's what people are going to be interested in. Well, it's oh, a yeah. hot topic, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I really do believe this, and I've told this to people. I really do believe that when this place opens, we'll be top 10 in Canada. I re- I, and, I, and, I, and I almost pin, like want to stop saying that, but 
I just think it's such a wow factor out there. Yeah. On the bluebird days, it just takes people away, and you see holes that you've never seen before. Um, and yeah. It's driven. It's driven a lot of interest with with our business from the standpoint of. Regardless of this big price difference, right, as far as what you're talking about, I mean, the Hamptons property was a signature property in the city for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was a $50,000 membership, you know, oh, yeah. not too long ago. Yep. As much as the economy and scale of golf has changed significantly with the business in general, um, Mickelson drives a lot of interest to the windmill brand, and it helps. But we give a tremendous amount of value by saying to a Hamptons member that joins today that you're going to get access to that property. You're going to be able to play. It's classified as a premier. You're going to get access. And to be associated with multiple properties and say, hey, you know, part of my, you know, membership allows me to get access to arguably what's going to be one of the top three or four properties, if not maybe the best in the country, which might host a national championship for the first time ever. Who doesn't want to be part of that? Anyone that's a golfer, who would not want to be part of that? That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And it does tremendous things for our entire membership. Mickelson drives value up for our business as a whole. So when someone thinks about, do I want to be associated with, uh, you know, as either a player or a member, or as a business, do I want to be associated with the Windmill Golf Group and the Windmill brand? You know, what Mickelson is doing for the overall business is tremendous. Drives interest, drives membership also allows us to sort of showcase our golf expertise as, as business operators and golf people and what's a what's a real competitive marketplace. So when it comes to our management contracts, other things that we're doing in the market, it's great for the business, mm-hmm. really good for the business. Well, um, one of the, the things I'm sure you've probably experienced selling memberships, I've experienced selling memberships, is one thing that holds people back is why get a membership and then you only get to play one course forever. Yeah, sure. Right, so exactly. that's that huge. definitely helps. Yeah. yeah, and 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 allows you to target a variety of skill levels as far as golfers, because you've got the real private club experience, Hamptons or Mickelson down the yeah. road, but then you also have the opportunity as part of your membership package to take the family, introduce the kids to the game, in maybe a less pressure packed, mm-hmm. uh, easier golf environment at maybe one of our other properties. And as well, make it friendly for the family. Go away to our resort and destination properties and be able to experience things like that. That's a big draw when you talk about giving variety and giving real value for dollars when it comes to golf because that's been the biggest challenge. How do you make it friendly for families? How do you make it friendly for for women or kids? So with multiple properties, access for one payment of your membership it gives really, really good stuff for someone that's looking at our brand for sure. Well, it's funny, everybody, oh, like, it, well, it almost fits into the perfect millennial at description. We want everything, yeah. but we yeah. don't want the commitment. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a minimal, there's commitment with the, the buy-in, but it, it's not like there's an ongoing commitment. You're not an owner of the club. So if, if the roof goes, it's not on you. Right. Um, and you don't want to get assessed to death. And, I think those days are over and, uh, you know, we spoke about that earlier, but um, it, it really kind of fits in with the whole lot I don't agree that people don't want to be members anymore. I just think they want a whole lot more than they used to. Anything else you guys want to touch on? No, that's great. Yeah, no, that's good. We appreciate the opportunity to do it because you know what? Thanks for taking the time because I know it's tough for you to do it. Well, thank you so much, Mark and David, for joining us on this week's podcast. 
Great interview, Leah. I, along with a lot of other golfers in this area, we've been watching this closely ever since it was announced that the Mickelson National is coming just outside of Calgary. You know, we've been waiting for it to open, and it's really great to get some insight into what's going ahead and how, you know, how everything is going out there. And, uh, you know, for me, when I might actually be able to play some golf on it. Well, if you want to buy a membership, then you can play some golf on it. (laughs) That's kind of what I figured. But yeah, super intimidating. I I believe I kind of said in the interview, there was numerous times throughout the tour where I just said, damn you, Phil. Because I mean, I don't know. It, it's intimidating and it looks tough, but it might be different once you actually get on the course and, and mm. actually on the fairways because it is just the mounding and the amount of dirt that they have moved on that property is insane. Nice. Looking forward to seeing more. Uh, you'll be able to catch Leah's article and the photos at golflifeab.com. All right, next up, we have the AGT Hot Seat. And uh, I think you guys are a little bit familiar with this player. Uh, I've only been bugging him for however many weeks. Well, I guess 13, technically, 13. if you want to. <laughs> if you really want to get technical here. So I figured, what better time than now? Now that I'm, I'm done with my putter throwing mm-hmm. comments till mm-hmm. next year. <laughs> we might as well put Darren Krause in the hot seat. Darren, are you ready? Uh, yeah, I guess ready as I'll ever be. Already. Oh, w- wait, Leah. Oh, Thanks okay. very much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> that sounded so genuine. <laughs> Alrighty, here we go. Where are you from? I was born in Red Deer, but I now reside in the wonderful bedroom community of Okotoks, Alberta. How long have you been playing on the AGT? I'd like to say this is my fourth year. I, th- I think four. I think yeah. so. Yep. Uh, what flight do you play in? Depending on the the players and the caliber of the players, and it, like A or B flight. What is your favorite AGT moment? <laughs> um... Only because we just talked about this. Um, I will never forget. I can't remember what tournament was that, but it was the... Rocky, the, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. President's Cup, Rocky. We were no, all... No, it was just like the... It was the major there that year. Oh, yeah. That's the right. Day. The Central Alberta Mint Major. Um, that's when you had a tent as well that, that uh, you know, wasn't sealed properly. <laughs> okay, so... The, like, Sorry, go yeah, on. That was, that was my favorite... <laughs> Uh, AGT moment, my favorite life moment, as my wife chucks the tent and we go find... No, but Cards Against Humanity. I mean, that night was absolutely crazy. Still, probably... I mean, I've had a lot of great golf moments, but that was my favorite AGT moment. We won't ask you what nickname you got after that night, Darren. Anyone who was there knows. (laughs) Uh, What is your home course? Uh, I would say Darcy Ranch, although as you, if you have heard previous, the previous podcast, I grew up playing River's Edge Golf Course out here in Okotoks. What's your favorite course of all time? Mm, well, I would have to say uh, probably like Bamp Springs is, is one of my favorites, but also I have a lot of love for the track that I play 
uh, every summer out in Manitoba at Falcon Lake. Really great course, and that is where I shot my only under par score. So it's got a it's got a special place in my heart for sure. Uh, what is your favorite shot to hit? Now that you've got all these shots in your bag, mm, I think the my favorite is easily my like j- just a straight up cut shot, like you know, just a what you would call a baby fade. What kind of clubs do you play? I can't play Callaway X2 Hot Pros. What kind of ball? It varies. Um, I really like the Callaway Chrome Soft, um, but also I played Strixon this weekend and I love the feel of it. Would you rather drive or chip? Well, like seriously, you just picked on the two worst parts of my game. I'd rather <laughs> just hit a 150-yard iron shot. Why is that not an option? Um, I would say these days, um, especially after this weekend driving. Would you rather play in the wind or the rain? You know what? Either. I, I don't really care. I look at both of them as a challenge. Honestly, if you were to ask me, would, would I rather play in the, in the heat or the cold? I would say the cold because I don't like playing in the heat. How would you best be described in high school? You'll be lucky to survive to 25. <laughs> what is your favorite junk food? I actually don't eat a lot of junk food. The junkiest I get is probably beer. That would be my junk food. I'm going to add this one in on the fly. How many water bottles have you lost on the AGT? (laughs) Uh, Two. (laughs) I kept one of them for probably a year. Made sure I gave the one back this past weekend. If you had $10 million to wager on someone making a 10-foot putt, who would you choose? Hmm. You know what? Um, I know that this has been said before, but I, I would go with Phil. I mean, when the pressure's on, there's few better than Phil, especially if he's if he's rolling. I, I would. Well, let's put it this way: I would never bet ten million dollars against him to miss a ten foot putt. What about a three foot putt? Um, I say that as a loving Phil fan. (laughs) Fair enough. And you've kind of answered this one in the past, but let's bring it up again. Who's your AGT rival? You know, I'm really glad you asked that question, Leah, because we talked about this on the tee box this weekend. And I mean, Painter, he was like, yeah, okay, you know, Abby arrival. Um, you know, I love playing against Tom. Of course, Cody, Cody and I, <laughs> the rivalry there is which one of us can drink more beers on the course when we play. I'm glad um, you weren't in Athabasca then because apparently yeah. he went through a two six of tequila there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but you know what? And the guys actually heckled me for this. My biggest rivalry is me. I know that it sounds a little hokey, but there is nobody that I'm battling more against than myself when I'm out on the course and it's just shot for shot, you know, and that's just kind of the way that I view golf. I I see the people who I play with as playing partners, but if I'm to be really truthful, I'd say definitely it's myself is the biggest rivalry. Darren, Mm -hmm. that is not allowed as an answer. Okay. Cody. (laughs) That was easy. And that was this week's AGT Hot Seat. Thanks, Darren. Thank you so much for having me, Lee. I really enjoyed being here.
You're such a turd. <laughs> All right, you guys. That is it for the show today. Thank you once again for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. Learned some stuff about Mickelson National. Got excited about Karen's hole-in-one. Mm-hmm. You're going to make fun of Ryan O'Neill's hair. Lots of fun things to do this podcast. And um, I guess if you're interested in what Darren's nickname came became that night, you'll have to ask him yourself. Yeah, that's our little field test to see how many of you are listening this week. How many of you come up to me this weekend at Red Deer to find out what my nickname is? Truth. Or um, if people start calling you by your nickname... <laughs> I really hope nobody gets offended because just remember it was from Cards Against Humanity and that's why. Yes. All right, you guys, make sure you check out golflifeab.com for that video of Karen coming in the clubhouse and Mm -hmm. eventually my little column on uh, Mickelson National and Ryan O'Neill's column on his first AGT event as well as his weekly pick. Holy cow, we got a lot going on this week. We do. So, Lots of content, people. Check it out. Saturday at Riverbend in Red Deer and next Monday at Redtail Landing in Niskew. We will chat with you guys next week. Uh, give us a shout out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GolfLifeAB. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Golf Life Alberta podcast. <laughs>